Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, you. Have you checked out my book, In Defense of Sky, yet? It was one of Rolling Stone's top recommended picks in June of 2021. Esquire magazine called it an excellent read, and GQ said that it was an intelligent look at the much maligned genre and its various waves. So what are you waiting for? Get yourself a copy of In Defense of Scar right now at clashbooks.com. Last year, Max Collins, the lead singer of Eve Six, confessed on Twitter to being a virgin when he wrote his huge 90s alt-rock single, Inside Out. Twitter went crazy. The very next day, Twitter account Ska or Nah asked him if he liked Ska. He replied no. But then when Ska Twitter pushed back, Max did something he would never do in the coming months as he became the go-to Twitter account for hot takes. He changed his position to yes. It turns out that Max, our guest today, was a ska fan in the 90s and continues to like certain groups, including We Are the Union and Operation Ivy, which might explain why all of a sudden Eve Six and We Are the Union dropped a surprise cover of Op Ivy's classic ska song, Sound System which I can only assume at this point has broken the internet. Did you think, Aaron, when we started this podcast, that we would end up talking to the singer of Eve Six? Nope. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'd actually been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. 
And, you know, I wasn't sure if it was ever going to happen. Yeah. His Twitter presence is so funny. And just kind of some of the asides that he'll post about ska are hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. I love it when he goes on a ska tangent. So, yeah, I think it was a pretty great opportunity for us to get to talk to him and to find out that the singer from Eve 6 likes ska. Yeah, he likes ska and, as is now a known, has a ska song collaboration with We Are The Union. So just the stars aligned and he joined In Defense of Ska to uh, talk about his ska project. One more soldier in the army to create a Operation Ivy reunion. By the time this releases, your song with We Are The Union will have already released. So what do you think? Let's predict. How do you think people are going to react to this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think it's going to be uh, extremely polarizing as it should be. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, you know, Operation Ivy is in that canon of bands that, that that you ought not cover, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, of course, I think with, uh, I don't know, that is what made it appealing to me, just being Irish and contrarian and getting a kick out of leaning into all of this stuff of late. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there people will be genuinely furious. Some <laughs> will be. And, I think it'll be mocked and derided. Um, you know, I think Reed and I will be doing the march, you know, the, the stations of the cross being mercilessly, <laughs> mercilessly flogged and spat upon. And then I think others will, others will love it um, because I think the spirit of the song is there. Um, we had a really good time doing it. And one of the things I love about the record is that it sounds sounds terrible. And by, by that, I mean, it sounds great. Like, I love that it sounds terrible. But, um, like, I do think for some, maybe, uh, like, Zoomers or whatever, who haven't heard the song before and wouldn't know what to do with the pr- production value of, of, uh, of the original, might find themselves receptive to the song and then be able to appreciate the original after the fact. I don't know. I'm totally spitballing here. The original is like the perfect example of bad, good, bad recording. It's just yep, perfect example of that. It's just so good in how bad it was recorded. It's so good in how bad it was recorded. And, and like, which is so refreshing to hear now when our ears are so like so trained to you know every so much stuff we listen to is just smacked straight to a grid and tuned and everything else and like uh the 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 looseness of that record verging on absolute chaos like is is part of what makes it great you know i mean that there's just enough control going on to keep it from completely flying off the rails yeah uh our our version is is much more controlled it's uh you know we're where we were in no way trying to recapture uh you know the the recording but but uh, do 
do justice to the song um, in as much as we could and really just have a good time doing it and not troubling ourselves uh, too much with what perceptions or critiques might be. Um, and honestly, having a good time with the potential of that too. So that's, that's, that's kind of where, where I think we both were with it. And it, it was, it was her idea. She reached out to me um, to, to do the song. And I, I didn't know anything about We Are The Union at, at the time, other than that they'd done a tweet that um, one of the new Eve six songs called I Want To Bite Your Face was like, was like a Ramones song, but better than the, the Ramones or something like that, which, uh, which I like quote tweeted and then got a bunch of people mad at me for that for even <laughs> for even quote tweeting it. Uh, like Titus Titus Andronicus literally DMs me. He was like, "Dude, come on, man, you can't fucking be real," you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I I guess it was that that was a that was kind of the kind of the perfect precursor to to us deciding to cover Operation Ivy. I remembered you tweeting that uh, nobody should cover Operation Ivy, and literally the next day, Brent's like. <laughs> Brent from We Are the Union call texts me and says, We're recording an Operation Ivy song with the guy from Eve Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that was fun for me. And I'll probably do more stuff like that. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's your marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just shit on the idea first and then and then do it, do the idea. And then and then do it. Yeah, like really, really go in hard on it. Like, like, like you know, it's uh you know, it's, 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 it's morally wrong to do here are the reasons why. <laughs> and then do it. And then love do it. it. Yeah. You know, who's going to love this cover though. This uh, is all the Scott people, all the Scott fans and all the Scott bands are just going to love it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, you're more familiar with them than I am, but just in the interactions that I've had with a lot of them online, um, I, I I think you're I think you're right. I mean, their attitude is just so good. It's their attitude is so scoff, frankly. You know, yeah. it's just like, yeah. Uh, so I think they'll get a kick out of it, out of this, out of the strangeness of it all. If you were going into a, a recording studio and you wanted the Operation Ivy guitar sound, what would you try to tell the engineer to get that sound? That's a great question. Uh, and I was there for some of the guitar overdubs that redid and it was like basically like you know uh simulating going direct or going direct you know it's just it sounds like for that clean sound it really sounds like it's just direct with absolutely nothing on it um yeah it's like it's like uh tinny to the point where any more tinniness would would be like literally painful it's like just below <laughs> yeah just, just below the the greatest possible you know misery you could feel from a tone uh it's like just below that level i interviewed the kevin army who was the engineer on that record and and he's like he ended up doing like mr t experience and some green day so he kind of became really well known as a punk uh, engineer but he was telling me that when he was building up his resume and he would put together the different stuff he'd worked on, you know, I had a little bit of op, op Ivy on there and he said he would show that to like label people or whatever. And they would just laugh at him when it got to yeah, op yeah. Ivy. Cause it was like, to them, it was like, Oh, this is horrible. 
why are you showing us this? <laughs> yeah, that type of bug brain person could never understand it. And that's part of what what what's so great about it. Yeah. Is that yeah, it weeds out the the fucking nerds because in order to appreciate it, you have to really be able to appreciate the spirit of rock and roll. And like those fuckers don't know how to do that. You know? No. Uh that that's 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 beautiful. So you're so you're also playing Fest this year. Yep. I'm pretty sure I know this the whole story because I watched it play out on Twitter, but tell us how that came about. Yeah. It was a, a, a sort of protracted campaign <laughs> by me <laughs> to to uh y- y- you know, I sort of got on this topic a few months prior where I was just saying I, I really thought it would be like not just hilarious, but um, valid like performance art to go and do a tour with a band like like Lamb of God or like basically a band that would get us not just heckled but like <laughs> but like attacked <laughs> like you, you know like uh, like uh, so that was just a funny concept to me and then. I think I may have been prompted with Fest by someone saying we should play Fest or something like that. And then I I tagged Fest and I just stated my case. I was I was like, you know, this this would be uh the 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 summit of entertainment value, especially if it goes south, you know? Like Yeah. So, uh, and whoever runs their social media is very good, good at it and immediately, I think, saw an opportunity. So we kind of volleyed back and forth, <laughs> uh, until I got, uh, the email address of Tony, the promoter. And I wrote to him and was like, you know, don't be a coward, you know, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he was into it. So, yeah, we're playing fest. Was it? Okay, I, I think I remember like one of your, your ideas or one of your pitches was like, put us after the Gorilla Biscuits. Like that was like the whole, that's like, is it, am I remembering that right? You're totally remembering that right. You're yeah. reminding me of that. Yeah, I was just thinking like, yeah, set us up, set us up for the most extreme possible failure. Like that's, <laughs> you know, that, that's the way to do it. And then uh, Gorilla Biscuits, uh, dropped off and i i think we're playing really early which is also great like uh, i i don't know if we're playing before anyone or or after anyone but yeah i mean it's just it's just it's just wonderful like this is the kind of shit that i want to be doing right now uh which is just doing the most unlikely shit possible and yeah, I, I I I sound like an asshole when I talk like this, but like, uh, yeah, it, it kind of exploring <clears throat> um, opportunities for what I perceive to be performance art in in even when it's just sort of an exposure of of some kind of absurdity or something like that. Like that's that's what the Twitter account is. 
And it's, it's, uh, you know, as we all know, the, the online to IRL pipeline is real. Yeah. The, I love that you're just embracing chaos because I feel like that's needed, especially as live music returns, because I remember even, even before COVID, it was like, everyone's on their phone. Mm -hmm. bands are playing very predictable sets Uh, bands are playing with very predictable bands and the audience you know even though they're paying all this money to go see it they don't even seem like they're really enjoying it because nothing is like pulling them in the moment yeah completely and you know you can see why people in the industry like get get stuck in these like in these grooves where you know, deviating from like the most normative path is, is, is like scary. And I even got that, I got that from our booking agents, um, who, who are, who are great and who, uh, you know, have, you know, I've kind of proven, (laughs) proven my insanity to them, but my insanity has some utility to them. So they're, they are open to to some of these ideas now, but when I first brought up the concept before Fest or whatever of Eve Six going out with like a hardcore band who who whose audience would hate us, they were like, "Yeah, that's funny, but you know, I think it would be a hard sell to promoters because you know promoters aren't going to understand." It's like we'll make them understand, you know, like <laughs> make them understand that this is like an opportunity for them to like get in on and, and, and manipulate a list, a, a strange little zeitgeist moment. And, you know, without, with, with, and I'm not saying any of this in some self-important way, like the bit is that it's Eve six, like that's, what's funny. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, I think everyone is fucking, risk averse and you know you, you you really have to like uh you know evangelize like like a like a zealot to kind of get people to to bend away from from what's normal at fest are you is eve six gonna cover gorilla biscuits yeah <laughs> right i i forgot i said that so yeah now we have to uh this is this is good you guys are reminding me of some stuff yeah um i, I remember i i i uh asked twitter what songs we should do and got some responses some of which were like seemed really appropriate so i should go back and appropriate in their inappropriateness i should go back and, and search that um yeah yeah definitely doing that definitely doing sound system with we are the union i'm flying in a day early for their set and we're also going to have um virginity who they're they're uh, uh, another band who's who's playing fest and when um when we released the new eve six ep like uh, one of the songs the last song in the ep was mistakenly an instrumental ver- version of the song it was like a distributor <laughs> error and i was like oh this is fucking great you know and then that thought was quickly supplanted with okay fucking uh you know th- this is an opportunity 
and I put it out on Twitter like if anyone can if anyone wants to record their own song any band wants to record their own song over this track do it if it's good we'll we'll release it as a collab and virginity did that and of course made a much better song than than the original so they're going to come up and do that version of the song with us at fest as well oh nice incredible yeah um sorry i I had a a question that was uh i'm blanking out for a second here no worries um i don't i feel like people don't like there's a similar thing in 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 podcasts where like podcast people are afraid to have like silence and unedited moments and stuff and i (laughs) i I love podcasts that are like that (laughs) like i think it's great like i want to hear ambient sound and like you know brain fart moments and shit like that it's like yeah put me there get a little room tone going yeah (laughs) back in the 90s you know, and, and definitely in the 80s too, but back in the 90s when I was, you know, going to shows and playing shows, mixed bills were the norm. Like, like the industry has gotten better and better, which has made it worse in terms of like, so, but I, I love that. I love, I would love if we went back to that where it's like, you have bands from different genres filling out the bill, not just all the same sounding band. Totally. Totally, man. Like one of the first shows I ever saw was Corn opening for the Offspring opening for Pennywise. I guess Offspring and Pennywise could be placed in the same milieu pretty easily, but like, yeah, Corn. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that was a bigger bill, and then yeah, smaller bills like all ages shows and stuff would be insanely eclectic you know yeah like and when my when my when my ska band used to play you know we did punk tours back in like the mid 90s before ska got super big and uh we rarely ever played with ska bands just because we played with whoever we could get shows with and it was usually punk bands or alternative rock bands or whatever that's just what was there and it was rad it was always rad to be the only ska band on the bill because then it's like we didn't wear the audience wasn't worn out to the music it was like oh cool this is a different thing i'll I'll totally give them my and then one time um we ended up on this uh festival like this but and by festival i mean like it was at a park for 50 people in a gazebo and every other band was like gothy synth pop right and it was super weird and uncomfortable but like the audience bought more merch from us than any other show. Cause like a lot of them never even heard of this music before. Yeah. They were just totally blown away. And we were like really uncomfortable. We're like, Oh fuck, this is going to be our worst show ever. And, but we just, you know, we played. Dude, <laughs> I, I could see, I could see that being like a best case scenario for ska because like you're dealing with its tonal and aesthetic opposite. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it's going from like um you know gloom wallowing to like you know m- maniacal joy and then that probably just made made it even more potent 
the joy. Well, what was funny is they all stared at us the entire time, like deer with their like cotton headlights. The entire <laughs> they show, they literally didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, when we finished, I was like, okay, let's pack up, let's get out of here. I do not want to be here. And then they all flocked to our merch booth, and they just started buying all our tapes and shirts. I was like, whoa, this is crazy because they just they were like processing it, and then they were like, this is cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Has Eve Six ever played any super mismatched shows? Um, yeah, in in different contexts, because I mean, what, like, what jumps out to you? Well, our second record came out uh, in, during you know the new metal heyday, and yeah. we had made um, a very standard tuning pop rock record with like synths on it and stuff and and it went to alternative radio just like papa roach kid rock and biscuit everything else so the bills that we found ourselves on <clears throat> were bills like that and yeah it was it was it was insane you know it was crazy uh and then did the audience hate you or did they did you they win hated them us. They hated- <laughs> no no they hated us yeah like the worst one was a show in Phoenix, I think, like a radio festival with all of those bands and the audience had gotten a hold of bags of ice somehow. So they were oh, no. throwing like the normal, you know, uh, you know, plastic beer bottles or whatever. Um, and then also throwing ice. And one of the pieces of ice caught me above the eye, like mid set. So my eye starts bleeding. I have like blood running down my face as we're doing, you know, like here's to the night or whatever. It was like, it was like, uh, in hindsight, it's, it's, it's amazing and hilarious, but yeah, it was a total nightmare. And then the flip of that was the third single off of that record didn't even go to rock radio. It went only to pop radio. So then we found ourselves playing shows with like the Baja men and, and like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and you know, whatever Britney Spears knockoff was going on and stuff like that did those audience i feel like those audiences might give you a shot yeah those audiences were a little more receptive yeah i mean the heaviest band on the bill always has like the advantage because and in and in that context we were the heaviest band on the bill so yeah i mean i'm happy to hear that you're bringing this back you you uh this is your mission for uh the post covid world we're going to bring back mixed bills weird surprises and just a little bit of chaos chaos yes to, to live music we had laura jane grace on on board for this but we got to see we got to test to see where you are on this how do you feel about an operation ivy reunion i mean i just want them to do it uh, like i don't know what jesse's you know financial situation is or whatever uh, um but I, I want him to be able to get that money, you know, I mean, like, um, he deserves it and, you know, they all deserve it. Like that, that's, that's sort of my first take, I guess. And then I also think, I mean, it would be just sick to see it happen. Like I, I personally wouldn't be measuring it against like some YouTube video of a, of a, of one of their first shows or something i would just like 
appreciate the fact that I was getting to witness this thing that meant so much to me as a kid that, I, you know, I, I would put that record on and just dream. It was like, a, a, you know, a, 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 an opening to another world that was like strange and unfamiliar. And like, yeah, to be able to see, see that happen, even if it demystified a little bit, I think would be like precious, you know? Definitely. Yeah. What was Lord Jane Grace's take? She wants it to happen really bad. She's, <laughs> she's campaigning very, yeah. very aggressively to make it happen. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. So last year, December, December 19th, I looked this up. No, no, December 18th is when you tweeted that um, you were a virgin when you wrote Inside Out. Yeah. Great tweet, by the way. Thank you. This is the moment that you kind of got like a lot of started getting a lot of attention on Twitter. Yeah. So the next day, there was another important tweet. And that's when the account Scott or not asked you if you like ska. Right. And you said no. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, look, I knew I knew you guys weren't going to play softball the whole time. You know, so that's this is this is. uh this is okay and uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna negotiate this right now so uh first of all i yeah i wasn't a, you know a year ago i wasn't like new to twitter i've been on on twitter for a long time but not as a poster like <clears throat> as someone who would like you know follow the journalists i like and the you know uh a couple comedians bands whatever kind of thing and uh yeah so i i wasn't aware of like this this groundswell this like this you know new like burgeoning summer of ska thing happening i was just not on my radar at all so i started to get like a multitude of replies apropos of nothing talking about ska and so, and so my, my initial reaction was to bat it down. And I was also like, that was the craziest. That first month was like extra crazy because I just wasn't like, I've gotten better at being able to kind of compartmentalize the Twitter thing and put it down a little bit, not, not as much as I should, but a little better. Um, it was straight up like jacking my nervous system. So I was like, I was really I, like, I was erring on the side of hostility, basically, I would say. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very much choosing chaos, very much choosing antagonism. Um, yeah, so my, my actual thoughts or experiences with Ska, I, uh, in, I guess, the mid middle yeah mid 90s very much went through a ska phase that was started by operation ivy i don't even think i knew what ska was until i got the 12 inch um operation ivy record and i don't even know what put that on my radar if it was just i was at the record store and the cover was cool or or what sorry i'm putting ice in the glass so we're gonna have some nice ambient noise here this is, this is great this is AS, asmr charge listeners. Isn't this lovely? 
Um, and I was like, whoa, this is so strange and so cool. And yeah, I just would just listen to that record all the time. That led me to some other stuff. Um, predictably, I guess the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, this would have been pre, pre-hit, pre you know? Yeah. Um, I had the record that was plaid vinyl, which was sick. Um, I think it was a double 10-inch. Or maybe it was just one 10. I want to say it was a 10-inch record. I had that. I had uh, a Toaster's record on vinyl. You know, I got into Less Than Jake, went and saw them at this place where my band would play in, in high school all the time. And I talked with uh, Chris, right? He's the singer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. the singer. Yeah, I talked with Chris about that when I did his podcast. I always forget the name of the place. Cobalt Cafe, I think. Um, went and saw them there. So yeah, I, uh, you know, Scott definitely played an important part in my kind of finding myself as a teenager like musically and stuff um if if i do like under the wrong conditions like ska ska doesn't automatically take me to the place take me to the ska utopia like i i it can if i'm in the wrong frame of mind feel like too much mania and it can kind of uh (laughs) yeah make me bristle a little bit with antagonism that that's true um but and and it's been years since i put on a record that could even like you know be considered attendant to scott or whatever um it wasn't until recently that i listened to that operation ivy record again it was just like couldn't stop listening to it made my kids listen to it and yeah, kind of rediscovered it. So yeah, I guess I guess when it comes to ska, I'm a bit of a centrist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I love the part though. The part I love is that when people started replying to you, you said, "Okay, like y- you convinced me. I like ska." <laughs> and then yeah. <laughs> And then you posted that if six would make a ska record. Yeah, that might actually be the only, um, the 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 only hot take that I've walked back. Uh, may have may have been that, and I think part of it was probably just the charm of the ska people. I mean, the ska people, yeah, they come on strong, <clears throat> but underneath it they're also lovely and have a sense of humor so i think that that warms me pretty quickly to the online ska community yeah the current state of the ska scene and the ska community online i think is one that has been built over years and years and years of just people making fun of the music and the the subculture to the point where i think people have been like kind of they just like push back in a way that they didn't for decades yeah right right like the yeah the inevitable kind of bully dynamic where it's like no fuck you i'm gonna stand my ground here ska's good basically yeah it's a friendly pushback with everything ska there's like there's that spirit of joy Mm -hmm. there which is great which is like you know disarms the haters and also it puts good into the world Mm -hmm. so one of the people that commented on that was somebody i know that was in the toasters back in the day and they said that you 
or the, the word is that you trashed the toaster's limo at some point. Is this, is this a true story? Dude, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did we get any more info? That's all I got. Oh my God. Trash the toaster's limo. I mean, I don't, I don't remember ever being in the vicinity of the toasters and I would because like I said, they were one of the few ska bands that was like, I, I owned a record by. Um, yeah. But that said, you know, I did an awful lot of drinking and, uh, you know, hell raising and all that. So it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I just, I just, you know, can't remember. Okay. Yeah. I so don't recall. Why did the toasters have a limo though? I, yeah. That's the part about it. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> they were rich on Skybooks in 1995. I, I guess. No. I guess. <laughs> did, did they, yeah. What was their like career arc like? Like when they were at their biggest, what, what did that look like? Their career went up and down multiple times. Um, some of that was because of uh, multiple lineup changes. Cause those guys date back to like 1981. Right. And then they would kind of, they would make some progress and then they would lose key members and then they would sort of start over and then they would build up again. And then also that guy started moon records. So he was, he was dealing with moon records. They almost, they were almost signed to Mercury, but that fell apart. This was like 95. Okay. So, yeah. So anyways, yeah, yeah. that's gotta be the hardest part. Like it, it's hard enough to keep a three piece band together, let alone like an 11 piece band or like some of these that have, like, yeah. you know, full horn sections and all that did you eve six ever play with ska bands um yes we definitely did shows with real big fish i feel like we did one even i mean a long time ago still now but not as long as ago as you might think like in the 2010s or something mm -hmm. um we did a tour with goldfinger i it depends how broad you're you want to be with the term, I guess, but like we did a tour with Goldfinger. Um, who else? We probably did. I'm sure we did shows with the Boss Tones because <clears throat> they had that hit like around the time that we did. So I'm I'm sure we would have ended up on festivals with them. Yeah, like the radio showcase sort of deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, that's again what I'm saying is like people nowadays like it seems strange to, to ask that and hear your answer but that was just the norm back then it wasn't yeah it wasn't a big deal like bands who were in different genres played with ska bands all the time it was you know and, and vice versa punk bands all that stuff yeah completely completely and even even at the at the level of like commercial radio rock at the end of the 90s there there was a smorgasbord of like things going on. There was, there, there were all kinds of different sounds, like wildly different sounds and, and different types of bands. Um, you know, it, 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 it wasn't, the, if it, I guess it was homogenous in its own way, because maybe like you could definitely pinpoint like a type of radio rock, I guess, but, I don't know. It, it was always being subverted by something else. There was room for 
different things to be added to that mixture too, or to be taken away. I think that was part of it that was interesting. Whereas, yeah, now things are more algorithm-based, it seems like. Completely. So what you were talking earlier about the sort of, um, you know, wanting to, wanting to bring a little chaos to live music and how your bookers are kind of reluctantly with you. It's not just a joke. It also kind of like works, right? Because like it kind of jars people out of um, the lull. But yeah, like you were saying that your, your Twitter is kind of evidence of that. And I think this is a great point. Like your Twitter is an example of probably how like a social media marketing class would tell you not to behave with your professional social media. Yeah. Yet you've kind of taken over Twitter because of it. Like you've like, it's definitely worked in your favor. Like, yeah. Behaving the way you're not supposed to behave. Like being, being chaotic and being surprising people and, and just not, not doing things in the appropriate marketing way. Like, I think that's really, I think that's cool. And that's really interesting about where we're all at right now. Like, and I think we all want that in, in all these different areas of our life. Yeah, I think we want to buck against, yeah, just like temperature controlled everything, just neoliberal gray. Like we, we want, we want some fucking beauty and we, you know, like, and I think to what you said, like, yeah, there are social media, like, there are brands that try to sort of simulate chaos and um, sort of do it in a cynical, in a cynical way. Um, the, but then you also use the word surprise. And I feel like that, that has been the thing that <laughs> there's a Twitter account called like Falcon. Do you follow the Falcon guy? I'm not familiar. No. All right. Well, he's, literally a madman and he's a fantastic poster <laughs> and he, he just does these posts about falcons and he sells like that he, he's he sells like falcons from dubai or whatever like he's out of his mind but then he'll also do like real really cogent analysis um he's a trip and uh he's anonymous i still don't know who this guy is even though i've like dm'd him and stuff like that and i watched his twitter account <clears throat> go from when he first started like replying to me with like crazy shit, he had like 42 followers or something. And now he's got like 20 or 40,000 or something like that. He did this like analysis of the Eve six Twitter account. And it was, it was really like uh, accurate, I think. And it was basically like, you know, you, you, you never, condescend like <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah you never condescend you 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 know it's it's like uh the the i remember the author um this is great because now i'm comparing twitter to literature but uh <laughs> the, <laughs> the author uh jeffrey eugenides who wrote middlesex and the virgin suicides he had something about writing where he was like you know write like you're writing a letter to your smartest friend like do, you know don't don't condescend and and uh that can be alienating alienating to people but the people who that's alienating to are not the people that you need to concern yourself with it's 
everyone else who's going to find joy in it. So, um, and I think most Twitter accounts are, yeah, in the business of just wanting to, you know, uh, cynically accrue more followers and probably try to only say things that they think a lot of people will agree with or whatever. Yeah. Um, th there's, a, of course, a, you know, the other end of the spectrum is just being like, um, you know, like edgelord or, or contrarian to the point where shit, where it's also dishonest and becomes completely uninteresting. Like that's not interesting to me either. But um, yeah, I feel like that's what kind of earned me some trust or something. And, and I think people also just have a really good time engaging with it because it is collaborative. Like I, you know, I riff with, with anyone and everyone who, who's good at riffing. Like I, 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 I do not prioritize blue checks. In fact, it's the opposite. Like, um, so yeah, I think there's a spirit of collaboration about it. that's also fun for people, but it's definitely fun for me. Do you have anyone pushing back against you saying to chill out? I mean, I know you, Eve six is, is self-managed, right? So yeah, you don't have any, anyone standing over you, but like, it, does anybody like freak out at all about your Twitter presence? No, I, I think, <laughs> I think that was, I, I think that's one of the, another sort of good thing about the position that we were coming from, which was that we really didn't have anything to lose. Um, we had just, just done a deal, a record deal with, you know, an independent label, but like, you know, we weren't dealing with corporations or, or anyone who's being, yeah, a, a, anyone who's being, you know, funded by, <laughs> by anyone I might be, be doing, might be attacking online or anything like that. So, um, and then, it, I mean, it, it kind of started working immediately and, uh, and stuff started going viral and all of that, which, yeah, absolutely has helped the band. I mean, like, there's no question about it. It's, you know, it's been like this weird little, you know, fucking, I don't know what you call it, weird little renaissance thing um, in in certain spaces. And and that that's definitely served the band. So I think the, you know, people at the label are like, great, you know, this is, this is fine with us. I think it, it, it could be problematic if we were like, yeah, I mean, you, you you definitely don't see artists on major labels, you know, saying like free Palestine very often or whatever. Um, you know, like uh, we we're unencumbered by by all, all of that shit because we're coming from a place we're, we we came from a place of being completely marginal, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's the soul of the bit. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and you you came back um with this ep grim value i mean you'd already recorded that though right that was recorded like a year earlier yes that out that ep i i really like that ep and i think it like you releasing that as this was all sort of happening and it's like oh they got good new music too it was like 
it was so cool and interesting to see. Thank you. That you had you were you were still offer you were offering something artistically as well as what was happening on Twitter. Yeah, we I, we have a whole record recorded. Uh, we we recorded it as a full length originally. I think we're gonna put it out as two EPs. Um, and we're gonna put out the first single in November, and then the plan is to release a song a month for a year on on the eve of the sixth of every month. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we're definitely like, I mean, I I I feel like we we have in that department a lot to prove to people because yeah, we've we've taken way too many fucking long hiatuses and. There are plenty of boring reasons for that, but um, we're in a place right now, John and I, where, where yeah, we find ourselves completely unencumbered by, <clears throat> um, you know, any 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 opinions that might try to, you know, put put obstacles in 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 our path of doing exactly what we want. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't always the case. And and now it's the case. So, um, yeah, so we're making music like, like crazy and, um, and yeah, I, I did originally start to tweet from the Eve six account just to let people know that like we were still a band again and, and we're going to be active and going to be putting some music out, you know? So, um, you know, it, 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 there was an agenda. There just wasn't, there just wasn't any expectation that it was going to turn into what it turned into, you know? Sure. Mm -hmm. Tell me, I want to hear more about, um, I want to bite your face. The song that uh, critics are describing as better than Ramones. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I really, I really, that that's my favorite song on the, on the EP as well. I would love to hear a little bit about, um, you know where that song came from and you know just a little bit about it yeah yeah it's funny you say that because i i do think i mean it's not ska at all but if any song on the ep could be interpreted as a ska song it would be that one you know um yeah i think for me like um uh, during the time of the writing of of that ep i was in a new relationship um and I, it, I've never really written love songs. I've always just kind of been, I don't know, not been able to or something like that. And, but I found myself wanting to describe the sentiment, um, but in a way that like actually feels like the feeling and like has like uh, visceral elements and stuff. And because uh, so often, like love songs are like uh, virtue signaling. To be honest, they're they're it's like it's like more about you know more about the person singing the song wanting to present as something to another, um, and which doesn't have anything to do like that's not actually a love song. Like that's something else. Um, and so like like. Uh, you know, our our favorite problematic guy, Morrissey, was like expert at that. You know, like like 
turning a phrase like turning the macabre into into you know romance basically and so i was kind of i think taking a page from that uh tradition a little bit and i don't know i heard the track that john had made and i want to bite your face just that lyric popped into my head right away and i was like all right i'm gonna see if i can make this make this a a, a love song and uh and yeah that's that's what i did i guess yeah i love it i love i want to bite your face as a sentiment of love like, yeah it's great yeah i mean and that that's like that stuff is like so indelibly in like the psyche it's like i want to eat you up you know it's like it's in there we have this like weird like latent cannibalism thing happening <laughs> 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 Now, not only do you have like, you know, controversial takes about music on your Twitter, um, there's there was one there was one moment where you had this you were going on about basically defending like mediocre rock bands. Yeah. You know, you were trying to explain the value that they had, um, which I really love because I feel like I feel like you, you, you were getting at something that was what I get at a lot, especially with my book, is that all this, you know, 90s ska that people wrote off, like definitely doesn't, critics don't care for it. Like music, music, people hate it, but it has value to people. And why, why is its value diminished by other people? And I feel like, you know, that was kind of what you were getting at too. It's like all this lost, you know, music, the critics don't care about that. um, Whatever is not like the, the, the great stuff that's remembered is like, it has or had value to people. So yeah, you just said it better than I could probably. I mean, <laughs> like, like that, that's totally it. And that doesn't mean that there's not fucking a place for the avant-garde and that we don't need more of it and that people shouldn't constantly be destructed, uh, deconstructing and, you know, and, and, and pissing on norms and coming up with new ideas. Like that's all great. Um, I think the like the starting premise for me was like, you know, well, first of all, like if it brings you pleasure, then like remove the guilt, like first examine that for like two seconds and realize that it's absurd. Like, yeah, if if, if you like a thing and you derive, uh, you know, joy from it or, you know, melancholy or whatever other feeling that you respond to favorably um or a thing just catches you vulnerable and you don't know why and but 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 it does and it's a thing that other people like to make fun of who cares like that's a thing that you like that's not a guilty pleasure that's a pleasure and so starting there and then moving into you know it's like yeah we've all been served up these lazy fucking uh you know, music journalism pieces, you know, lists of the best songs of, you know, 2000, whatever, or um, all of that stuff where it's like, you're sort of being told what's acceptable to like, and what's not acceptable to like. And um, so it, it's pushing back on that whole thing, which is, which is at its essence like uh snobby and even verges on classism like mm-hmm. yeah i don't think that's an overstatement like like the fact that i i do think in not all cases but in a lot of cases taste is a choice and that you know 
you can listen to something uh uh you can make a decision to have an objective listen on something sometimes and decide to see what's what's good about it. And maybe by doing that, it starts to work on you. That's one possibility. And then the other possibility is like, this has happened with me. This happened for me with the Goo Goo Dolls. It's like, you know, Goo Goo Dolls, I've had firmly in that, you know, in that camp of bands that don't matter that, you know, I don't care about at all. Corporate radio rock, uh, just wholly uninteresting blah, blah blah and then like you're standing in line at cbs or whatever and, and like and black balloon comes on and you hear it and it's a completely new song and you realize the the the, the source of it you realize that you realize it's the replacement you know you realize that it's like you know it it's it's been written off it's been written off as fashion basically like nothing more and so yeah uh, that those are also endlessly fun conversations to have because they i mean i think there's there's just truth in it and yeah it like riles people up feel like you know uh you know you 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 have to love radiohead and you have to hate nickelback i mean that's like that's your starting point for your average like bug brained music you know uh fair weather music person and it's like no you know why <laughs> i was never a goo goo dolls fan but my very first assignment as a music journalist was back in 2009 was to go review one of their concerts found i found a friend of mine who was really into them and i brought him and yeah, I could, you know, I mean, that was, it was to see his reaction to them and how excited he got. Yeah. Really helped me to be able to see what was good about them and to appreciate them in a way I hadn't appreciated them before as somebody who I didn't necessarily, I wouldn't say I hated them. I, they were just kind of what you described, like, just, I just wrote them off. I just didn't really pay attention to them. Yes. Yeah, completely. And I think there's something in all of us too. It's like, it's in me too it's like um and you even see it with this you know the stuff i was talking about on twitter today where it's like it just seems like people want to give musicians an extra hard time mm -hmm. for for playing shows right now um shows that observe current covid protocols and everything else but like you know they're people uh, get it seems to me asymmetrically pissed off at musicians uh you know who need to keep the lights on and who aren't like you know do doing anything that aren't going against the cdc or or whatever and then you have like these you know sporting events in massive stadiums where like no one's wearing masks and no one's really seems to be giving those multimillionaires a hard time so it's like there's this kind of sadomasochistic thing that i feel like people have with musicians who gain some level of success and maybe some of that is the fact that it's like okay you're a musician who gains some level of success you know you're 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 part of that particular one percent and to make myself feel better <laughs> i'm gonna knock you fucking down a peg or two um yeah maybe there's some of that 
going on but uh yeah people like knocking bands and artists down down a peg or two and that's probably fine a lot of times that's probably healthy a lot of times but but um but sometimes it isn't and sometimes it just leads to yeah a very a very you know prescribed type of thinking on 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 music which is just boring you know yeah like i definitely find you know all that like kind of like brainy critical analysis of music interesting but i also feel yeah. i also feel it also alienates me in a in a way as well because i mean i mean i don't just like ska but you know just the fact that ska is one of the things i like it feels the fact that that is a completely is so completely and thoroughly ignored by those people. Yes. It, it, it almost is like that weird poison pill thing where it's like, yeah, it's interesting what you're saying, but you know, you completely ignore this and on these other kinds of things that they just don't fit your. Right. Fashion. It's fashion, which, 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 ex, which exposes the plot a little bit. Yeah. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I, I love criticism. I, I, I love, you know, I, I like to read stuff like that too and and music journalism is really important and criticism is really important all of that um and it's also just entertaining like i i i like to hear yeah i'm more probably both i'm sure like nerds that way but that doesn't preclude this conversation that we're having either it, it it's it's the it's the fertile ground that produces it because you know like of course shit that isn't you know stuff that that's in the that's not like in the canon um is going to be yeah at 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 best ignored and at worst and, and it's not even the critics that i have the problem with so much as the people who take their opinions as like gospel or like a prescriptive way to to appreciate art like that that's the stuff that's that's sort of more annoying to me, and the stuff I have, and and what I have fun, you know, lobbing water balloons at. <laughs> <like that. laughs> yeah, because I also really appreciate the experience of people being exposed to music with no context at all. Yeah, and that was like, you know, being in a ska band before it got on MTV. That was an interesting experience because a lot of people had no no context no experience with this music before that's the best and then you you and it almost almost every single time they'd be like this is cool like yeah. they 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 had no baggage attached to it like this is nerdy or this is uncool or yes, this is this or yes. that so they just yes. enjoyed it maybe they didn't become huge fans but they just enjoyed it and then it became like a big MTV trend and then it became a it's now it's not now it's not mainstream anymore so it's like an embarrassing trend that happened you know a few years ago and that 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 trying to expose people with it without that baggage was really challenging yes completely completely uh, uh, and i mean every all you know it same with with movies and you know tv shows uh whatever else it's like it's so much better when you see something and you haven't already been told exactly how to label it and exactly where to put it in your mind and exactly how to do the analysis 
like all of that stuff gets in the way of is an impediment to the goal for me of like art which is getting to that dream transcendent dream place and 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 same with me for i mean the way you just described the scoffing you know before before the wave that blew up um like that was me discovering that operation ivy record same thing i was like what is this this is <laughs> I, I had no i had no idea where where to put it i didn't have any labels for it like that part of my brain wasn't able to be active so that, it was only the other part that was just expansive and you know like would just dream and 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 that that component of mystery too of not understanding it like of being confused like that that's my shit like i i, I want to be confused you know because yeah definitely yeah so with, with eve six have you over the years gone through that a some some version of that like having had a huge hit single early in your career and sort of that being baggage for you guys to you know move forward or present new music or to present yourselves as you exist now yeah yeah well um or has that been a, a good thing or has it been a i don't know i guess it could, could be either no it's a good question i i like the only sane perspective on it for me where i'm at now is you know to to like is not to run any counterfactuals and and to and to be like you know see what was good about it and a whole lot was good about it like um unquestionably good about it uh you know we were very young and we were very much you know that made us very much at the whims of producers labels and me my myself personally of opinions within the band that differed from mine you know that when i didn't at a time when i didn't have any uh equipment uh with respect to like how to deal with uh what's the word What's the fucking word? Don't edit this out. <laughs> I, I should be I should be forced to what conflict, right? Like I, I didn't know how to do conflict. So um, so I didn't. <laughs> so I like retreated, drank, uh just kind of took my heart out of it. That's like kind kind of a short history of those first three records. I'm like at this point grateful for all of it because um I like yeah find myself in this place where I'm I'm making exactly the music I want to make in my fucking I'm I'm playing the only dignified the most dignified form of music you can play after 40 which is punk rock um mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um our, our new record isn't actually i wouldn't call it a punk rock record i don't I, I i wouldn't even call the ep one but you know what i'm saying it's a good line um we're able to do exactly what we want there 
able to kind of like, yeah, in a way, create our own little avant-garde world and um, keep the lights on playing rock. Like, um, none of which would have been possible without the very particular, in some ways predictable, in some ways not at all, strange career that I've had with all of its, with all of its ups and downs, you know? Yeah, it, and it's, what's interesting is that it seems like what has happened on Twitter and with your new music is that you've gained, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, don't edit this out. Don't. <laughs> no, yeah. They have yeah, to know. It's no. like a feat of strength. We're going to leave all this shit in. <laughs> Um, like you, like, um, credibility, like a punk credibility, I guess, like you with like, like younger people and younger bands. Like, it seems to me that you create, you you have this fan base. It's not, it doesn't seem like it's a total rehash of your fans from back in the day. It's like a kind of like newer, younger people are totally down with you because of your authenticity on Twitter and the way you're approaching new music with that sort of like fuck it whatever we'll just do whatever we want and like and i'd I'd go even as far as to say the production on the new ep yeah i mean it sounds so much so much more stripped back than you know earlier material yeah some some of the tones are like real real weird and yeah i think that's really awesome thank you yeah i think um i think that's true and it's funny it's funny But, but 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 when you say when you say like punk cred or or whatever i mean it in the not in the literal uh, i know i know yeah. exactly what you mean and 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 it's the same way i describe like when i say something or some record or some band or some person is cool like uh, what i'm really saying is that it's honest like mm-hmm. you, you know i mean that's they're synonyms to me like um and and i think i think the term punk to the chagrin of a lot of punks probably is similar like you know it's you said authenticity and i think like i think it's that and that's not to say that it's like yeah we're a rock and roll band we're making we're making rock records and the thing I'm doing online, yes, it's honest. It's also performative. Like it's both like th- there's, but, but I think, um, I think it resonates people with people because they know that, that there's a background of honesty to all of this. And that, that is a thing that is kind of lacking culturally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you've played you've played a couple shows I think since uh, recently, right? Yeah, yeah. We just did a show um, just this past weekend in Michigan, and uh, and then we did one a few months ago in South Dakota. So compare these couple of shows to what it was like, you know, last time you did shows, which was before COVID and before this Twitter thing. Yeah, is it been a big difference you know like in terms of 
your own attitudes towards playing live in terms of like how people are reacting to you or any yeah. of that stuff? Yeah, it 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 absolutely has informed the way that I engage with the band and even the songs live, to be honest. Like <laughs> this is gonna sound funny, but like in some ways I feel understood <laughs> sounds so narcissistic but in some ways i feel understood for the first time because it's like yeah you know people kind of know me i feel like people know me a little bit now whereas like you know you sort of think you know like before you have the hit record or whatever like oh i want the hit record then i'm gonna be loved and understood for who I am, blah, 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 blah. Narcissist dream, but, you know, all, all musicians are to some degree who devote their life to this thing, I think. It's just, that's an aspect of it. Like, um, but of course the opposite happens. It's like, you know, uh, you know, and especially with a band like us you know, that, that came up so young and everything else. But I feel like, yeah, there's, this wall has been kind of removed and we've gained a completely new, you know, listenership in the last year or whatever also. Um, and yeah, the, like the show that we just did in Grand Rapids was fucking insane. It was like, and look, I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that people can go to shows again. And so it's like, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. People are like, sure, yeah. oh, I'm fucking going out. I'm going to go see a show. Like, and, and, and I, would, I would assume that this is happening with all bands and not just bands who have gotten big online or whatever. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, there were like 5,000 people there. Like, it was crazy. And, and uh, you know, it, it, I don't know if every show is going to be like that. You know, I mean, that's always our band, you know, like so, some years certain cities will just like just historically the pre-renaissance or whatever will be good for us and some won't um but yeah i mean it's it, you know there's definitely something going on here you know sure was this the show the show that mustard plug played it was the show that mustard mustard plug played and i didn't realize that mustard plug was playing it until after they played we got there we had like crazy hell travel and so like and then had a really early sound check so we did our sound check and then went back to the hotel to take a nap and when we got back i learned that mustard plug had played so i missed their set uh -huh. but yeah that's one of those dude that was one of those bills that you're talking about honestly because it was mustard plug eve six and uh Remo Drive, who are who are fucking great, um, a band from Minneapolis. Three completely different bands, you know, and everyone was stoked. Nice. So, I would love to hear a little bit more about um, you. You describe yourself as a Christian anarchist, right? I would I would love to hear a little bit more about that philosophy. Yeah. All right. Well, I was doing a little bit of hyperbole there. Um, you know there's culturally and and it's always 
it's tricky to talk about like culture as a whole right now because it's like what is it because there is you know of course you have like you have like you know maga christians and like you know religious right christians and that like that whole brand of christianity which i would argue is actually christianity's opposite like i mean that's not even i don't think controversial to any thinking person like uh that that's not it that 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 (laughs) (laughs) um pretty different than what pretty uh... (laughs) different pretty different and and yeah i think you know christ the the christ figure would he have been one of those people fuck no like he was literally yeah i mean he he was an anarchist in some sense like you know it's a it's kind of silly to try to like uh you know apply today's politics to him i guess but um but yeah um there is in but yeah in the other in a large aspect of culture there is people find the notion of of a god concept utterly repellent uh uh it makes them furious and um and i get that too like i you know i was raised catholic i i did have a lot of baggage coming out of that with just like you know to be honest it wasn't even the catholic stuff that was that did the most damage it was like a brief stint at a baptist church where they really hammered the fire and brimstone stuff um so i definitely threw went through my like uh predictable atheist watching christopher hitchens youtube debates phase um but uh i feel like that doesn't do it for me (laughs) that that doesn't do it for me either and of course when we're talking about these things we're talking about something very personal not in the sense that this is personal i don't want to talk about it but in the sense that like spiritual stuff is literally experiential so it's it's kind of hard to like articulate sometimes but um i i find the god concept far more interesting and and it's so it, it's it's something that I also talk about online because because it's true and because yeah it's also polemic and I also enjoy that it's polemic like I'm not gonna mm-hmm. lie <laughs> <laughs> um both both things are 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 true so um yeah I I. I don't know if that made any sense, but that, sure. that's sort of where I'm coming from with that stuff. I I do have, you know, I I believe in God. I my my, my I, I pray, but not in a way that people might think is prayer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it is to me like um, and I'm also a sober alcoholic, so there's you, you know there there's some of that at play here too where part of my recovery um 
is built on 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 certain yeah spiritual principles so all of that stuff informs the you know a, a tweet like i'm a christian anarchist <laughs> <laughs> I, I i grew up i went I, I was in a very very fire and brimstone church like pretty extreme to like where there was like speaking in tongues and all that stuff yep for me i went so i went atheist uh in my 20s and i i took that route where i was really antagonistic and and hateful towards faith yeah but, but i i've stayed atheist but now i've made peace with other people's beliefs and i have like i'm not in the slightest bit threatened by whatever somebody believes but i think i I had to go through that period i think it was more sort of claiming my own identity of my own belief to be kind of totally push back on like i have the right my beliefs right and you're wrong kind of thing but then it's just like whatever i don't completely I i don't give a shit what you believe you know as long as you're not infringing on other people no no i i completely understand that and and of course like the actual stuff that interests me about like a spiritual life are, are almost like definitionally precluded from like the church in most respects. And, um, you know, and the, yeah, the politics and bureaucracy of, of organized, of organized religion, which, which yeah, is, 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 is crazy. Yeah, so I guess the thing that's sort of funny and maybe could be critiqued, maybe rightly so, about the way that I do that stuff online is, yeah, there is there is almost an element of hostility about it. (laughs) Like, but behind that, there's there's joy and love. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not actually out here trying to like um, delegitimize anyone's anyone's uh worldview or god view or or lack thereof i'm just introducing you know maybe a a, a different way to think about stuff at least that's maybe maybe the goal you know yeah i I appreciate that i mean it's interesting because i actually find incredible peace in the nothing the nothing brings me peace i think about (laughs) this is where (laughs) you and i differ the fact that there's no god in my mind the nothing dude there's nothing i i I remember having this exact conversation (laughs) sorry to get so excited that i completely cut you off that's beautiful sentiment but like um yeah i remember having this exact conversation uh with someone in my 20s where where i was like you know non-believers always say that like they wish they could believe in god um wouldn't that be so great if they could believe in god i was like i wish i couldn't like mm-hmm. you know like get, I, I wish i i wish i i wish it were possible for me not to get this despot out of my head you know and that's when i had the antagonistic relationship with the thing but um but i don't think the way that like the way that this is the kind of thing that infuriates atheists because i uh, I, I, I realize that I'm sort of diluting the water here with more water, but, uh, <laughs> but that there might not be as much difference as one might think between your observation and the relief that you feel from the nothingness and mine and the relief that I feel from the God concept. 
Um, cause I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about like, uh, a guy in the sky. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I'm talking about the ineffable. Yeah. I, I don't think there's that big of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a kind of what you call it and everything. Yep. Like that. Yeah. All right. That, and that concludes our conversation about ska. Cool. <laughs> you guys this this has been my favorite podcast i've done this has been fucking right on. fantastic so thank you so much for for having me on and just being being good at your jobs this was like this was really really cool oh thank you so much thanks for being such a good guest Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the show wherever you normally download podcasts. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at In Defense of Ska. You can also sign up for my newsletter at aaroncarns.substack.com. You will get the podcast sent directly to your inbox every Wednesday. In Defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has a great band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And on that note, we leave you by saying, Ska now more than ever. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.